As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Coming up, an interview with Hollywood stars Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney ahead of a documentary about their ownership of Wrexham Football Club. And if that's not showbiz enough, I also have Pablo Mara and Nick Miller to tell us why football clubs and footballers want to peel back the curtain in the first place. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Athletic Football Pod. I've got with me Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, the new owners of Wrexham AFC. What was the connection between you and Wrexham Football Club? We had no direct connection. It was just a feeling. Wrexham is a town that battles against odds constantly. But the thing that we love more than anything is the football club. So coming up then, an interview with the Hollywood actor Ryan Reynolds, who bought Wrexham, and if you're not from the UK, they're a Welsh side that play in the fifth tier of English football, uh, alongside his fellow Hollywood actor Rob McElhenney. It's the subject of a new documentary series that is produced by Reynolds and McElhenney called Welcome to Wrexham. Before you hear from them, I'm joined by the man who spoke to them for The Athletic, that's Pablo Mara, and also The Athletic's Nick Miller, who has written about football docs, including Arsenal's All or Nothing. So how was the interview, Pablo? How did you find them? Uh, no complaints. You know, these are good. These guys are obviously pretty, pretty polished kind of seasoned professionals at doing these sort of junkets. I, I won't act like this was an exclusive. You know, it was clear that I was the, you know, one of probably a dozen reporters given, uh, you know, well, actually I negotiated for 12 minutes, you know, they offered me 10, I asked for 15, <laughs> they came back with 12, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, they, they seem like good dudes and they certainly know what they're doing in situations like this. I wonder, whilst they are obviously pros and they'll have done many media junkets before, as you say, I wonder whether because it's a, a project in inverted commas that they care so passionately about, because it's a project that at times certainly the Brits might be trying to catch out Americans who are trying to run a football club over here in Wales. I wonder whether there was any apprehension on their part. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I had the same thought. You know, doing a sort of a program like this and doing the media, you know, associated media with it has to be a little different when you're dealing, you know, probably with at least half the journalists and public figures are dealing with are sports writers, people whose questions aren't going to be related to the production of the show. They might be related to going, you know, goings on at Wrexham or whatnot. Um, I think these dudes are, are pretty good at deflecting um, and, and, you know, answering questions uh, in their own way. Um, although, you know, I have to say I found them both very open and forthright about the the show and their decisions and, you know, why they bought the team, uh, you know, all that good stuff. Nick, you've obviously written about uh, plenty of uh, documentaries at the moment. We've got Arsenal's All or Nothing. Uh, there's a Neymar one, isn't there? You know, we've got Rooney. There are other teams that have done All or Nothings uh, as well. We're going down a well-trodden path now for an industry that didn't have them five years ago, really, our football. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable how quickly they've become sort of ubiquitous and... Um, kind of like a, I don't know, like some kind of status symbol for players, you know, individual players, and All or Nothing is obviously its own kind of brand now. The All or Nothing ones, certainly, you, once you've seen one of them, you've kind of seen them all. They're, they're all of a very similar format, but this Wrexham one is obviously going to be, I, you know, I haven't seen it, I know, I know you have. Pablo, what kind of tone the, the thing is? Because the, the documentary is, because I was... Well, when you when you first hear about this, I, I one of the fears I had was that they would kind of play it all for laughs, and they would essentially be kind of it. You know, they'd have they'd show some quaint old strange Wrexham tradition. You know, cut to cut to reaction shot of Robin Ryan trombone noise, and everyone laughs. But I assume it's kind of not that. But what, having sort of seen the the film as I haven't, what was the kind of tone of, of the documentary? Yeah, I found it to be uh, very genuine, honestly. You know, I've only seen the first five episodes, but it was it was pretty much bereft of the the kind of bumbling American types trying to figure out what you know what football is or whatever. Like it's you know it's nothing like that to me. I thought it was fantastic. I also um, yeah, I do think I, what I would say is the the documentary is very clearly made for an American audience. I mean, there's, there is like a lot of hand holding in a certain way. I mean, people in this country you know, who don't pay attention to soccer abroad have no idea what promotional relegation is or, you know, how they would even, you know, sort of ascend the pyramid of football. It's just, you know, it's like completely alien to them. So, I mean, they spend, you know, five or 10 minutes explaining that they, you know, they spend time explaining, you know, the difference in wages between an EPL player and a player in the fifth tier, you know, um, I think there is like a lot of educating that they sort of had to do for their audience, you know, so I think maybe a UK viewer might have a different take, you know, on the program. But no, I found it to be um, pretty genuine. I think it focuses as much on the town of Wrexham and the people there as it does on the football club, obviously. Uh, the two are sort of inextricably linked, obviously. So, you know, I I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was pretty well done. It's definitely different than, you know, like you said, you watch the All or Nothing ones. They sort of have that very polished kind of like F1 drive to survive thing where you you can, you know, it's like you always sort of wonder, you know, like how much of the actual story you're getting, this, that, and the other thing. Um, this feels a little bit different. It feels a little bit more raw, you know. Um, I, I quite enjoyed it, honestly. Let's hear from them then. Here is Pablo talking to Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney about their ownership of Wrexham. Pablo starts with asking the question lots of us have been thinking. I guess the first thing I want to ask, you know, that you guys aren't your sort of typical 
football owners is what drove you to do this? Was this about, you know, an interest in sports ownership and, you know, how much of it was about, um, just making a documentary, which it seems like you guys are pretty open from the beginning that you were always going to do. Um, I, I actually think it's the, it's, um, the latter first. I, I've, it's always been a dream of mine to be associated in some capacity with a professional sports uh, franchise. And then um, not really knowing an a, a, a legitimate or rational uh, avenue into it. And then it was over the pandemic where I started watching a lot more documentaries and started getting into football, then learned about the English system and then realized, wait, that's an interesting way in. But th- one of the key factors to, to, to success at that level would be to grow the exposure of the club because more revenue that comes in, the more you can invest in players. And, um, and so then when I started thinking about it that way and I think, well, that's actually marries exactly what I do for a living, tell stories, and this idea of being involved in, in a professional sports franchise. So they were actually working in concert with one another, but I actually think uh, it was the latter that came first. One of the themes that you guys go into pretty early on in the season, I mean, you go to kind of great lengths to explain to the viewer, you know, exactly how the English football system, well, the system that exists overseas generally of promotion and relegation is structured and what that means and all that sort of stuff. I mean, was was that possibility, the, the, the pro-rel thing, was that, you know, a driving force in your acquisition of the club? Yes, because that's the ultimate underdog story. I mean, it's one thing to suggest that, you know, the Browns or the Bengals or, or, or um, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays or some who can ascend through the ranks. But either way, if they wind up, the stakes are high, but they're not as high uh, if you're not getting kicked out of the league if you finish in last. And what happens is this precipitous fall all the way down and you can tumble very quickly and it can destroy a franchise. We just don't have anything like that. So... The stakes may be high emotionally and certainly economically, but not in the way that it is in the English football system. So that was a very clear way in. But I'll say that the show um, at its core, I think, is more of a love letter to working class people and their devotion and love uh, for the beating heart that is the club that's associated with their town or community. And I think everybody can identify with that. Yeah, you know, I, I wondered if it was a challenge for you guys as filmmakers, um, you know, outsiders, as it were, to sort of accurately portray the town of Wrexham, um, its people, the supporters of the club, the club itself. Obviously, it's a place you'd never been to, uh, you know, prior to last year. And, um, you know, it's a, sort of an interesting proposition having to to make a film about a place that you have really no familiarity with. Was, was that challenging to you guys? Uh I would say that, you know, going into anything like this where you're in somewhat uncharted territory, at least for us, is just about transparency. You know, like we're not here to project some idea that we know what we're doing in terms of uh, uh, running a football club. We are here to say that we're, you know, we're going to be responsible, respectful and reverent of the institution that is Wrexham and that we're going to do everything we can to grow this and build this like we would any other business or a film or television show or anything like that. Um, you know, most of those, most businesses, you know, at least the ones that I've been involved with that succeed or work usually have a backbone of accountability and relationships, you know, and that's, that's not too dissimilar to what's happening in Wrexham. So we just kind of went in very honestly and just said, listen, we don't pretend, you know, your average five-year-old in Wrexham has forgotten more about football than we will ever know. 
And, but we are going to do our best to make sure that, that the success of the club is commensurate to the success of the community and vice versa. So it was, a lot of it was kind of finding that multi-pronged approach, you know, because this, the community and the club are just so linked, you know, that you, you can't tear them apart. And, and really you can't grow one without growing the other. Yeah, uh, Ryan, I wanted to ask you, it's not like immediately clear in the documentary how you got involved here. I mean, I, I, I do know, obviously, Rob says that he uh, he needed movie star money, um, uh, you know, but uh, beyond that, uh, you know, like, how did you become involved in the project? It doesn't seem like you guys knew each other very well before any of this. Well, I reached out to Rob because he, you know, I, I, is, as I've gotten older, I've really kind of grown into a place where I, I feel like when I see someone doing something that's amazing or something I just love and appreciate, regardless of outcome, I just like to let them know. And Rob had done a sequence on, on, on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia that I just thought was pound for pound one of the most beautiful three minutes I'd ever seen in this, on, on, on his show that, that, that you know, he'd obviously created and had worked on for so many years. So I let him know and we just became kind of friends, you know, like text friends. We never actually met or anything like that. Um, and then one day Rob sent me an email that outlined this plan to, you know, buy a lower league club and grow it into something that, you know, resembles a more global force. And um, I just, you know, I, I just saw the path that he'd laid out, the phosphorescence in the water, so to speak. And, you know, I was in. I just, I just thought it was so unexpected and so interesting. And I love building businesses, and this is a business, you know, and it's it's a business founded on relationships, like I said before. So I was excited to dive in, and and it's been a real odyssey, and it's also been one of the most high pressure, tightrope walks I think I've ever been on because there is just there's so much riding on the the success of this club uh, with every single individual in Wrexham, and it's it's a it's a lot it's a lot to carry, but I'm not complaining. It's been a, it's been one of the greatest rides of my life. Yeah, I wanted to ask um, Rob Ryan, either one of you, if you thought about investing in an American soccer club, uh, you know, be it MLS, USL, uh, you know, any of the lower leagues. Um, you know, it's different. Obviously, there's no pro rail here. Um, the cost of ownership, I think, you know, in many ways, you know, especially for an MLS club, is higher than it is in the top flight in a lot of countries. Um, is that something that you guys are interested in? Yeah, this has definitely opened up a whole lot of different opportunities, and um, and we've discussed all sorts of different things. But for now, we want to make sure that we're focused wholly and solely on on Wrexham because we just can't get this wrong. I also think that there's one of the things that I I think is interesting from a storytelling perspective is like let's say in some wildest farthest corner of our imagination we had the kind of scratch to buy a Chelsea or a you know, Man United or something like that. There's really only one way to go with those clubs is down. I mean, they're already at the, they're already apex clubs. So when you take a club like Wrexham, which which has a, a fan base that is so passionate about this club that, that they, would, they would die for this club, um, yet there's so much real estate in front of them. There's so much room to grow and be promoted. I just think the store, from a storytelling perspective, it's so much more interesting. You also have so many folks that are like, that feel like they're playing for their lives. You know, they don't, there aren't multi-million dollar contracts that they can rest on, you know, should the, the club not work or they should, or should they get cut or something like that. You know, they're, 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 these are players that really are, you know, running 
kicking, jumping, playing for their lives every single day. And it's, it's, it's amazing to see so many young folks, you know, playing at this level, uh, you know, at this level of passion. It's just fa- fascinating. So I've seen the first five episodes of the show. Um, and, and Rob, you said something in an episode that stuck with me, which was that, you know, if you're working on Sunny and you sort of leave the writer's room, you have a pretty good idea uh, that what, you know, the product that you created is good, that you have sort of control over that to a certain extent, at least. And it, it just, it's interesting to me because sports ownership is really the polar opposite. I mean, it's, you know, you can set your team up for success. You can build a roster, you know, coach, you know, X, Y, and Z thing. But at the end of the day, um, these players go into the pitch and, you know, if they perform, they do. And if they don't, they don't. You're just sort of stuck there in the owner's box, um, you know, at the mercy of the game itself. And, you know, I wonder if that dynamic for either one of you guys was was difficult to deal with, you know, that sort of lack of control. Yes. I mean, look, the, the, truth, of the, the truth of the matter is, you know, you, you go into any artistic or creative endeavor and you have an idea of what it could be in your head. And then you listen to the project as, as you go. And because you're working with multiple parties um, in, a, in great collaboration. And so things change and you can pivot. And, but you still feel like along the way, you can kind of at least guide it in the right direction to, the, to where in the end, maybe you didn't exactly accomplish what you had set out to do, but you have at least a, a, a modicum of control of how it winds up. And here you can get it all the way almost to the finish line, but at the end of the day, there's an objective reality. There's no subjective reality. You either won or you lost. You either got promoted or you got relegated or you remained in stasis. So that is very, very difficult. Although I will say that that's also part of the excitement is that some of it is just the unknown. We can just do our best and, and, and hope for the best and then it's just up to up to the football gods. It's also, it really is what makes it so riveting to me is that you can't really control, you can do the best you can to put the best possible squad on the field, but you know, at the end of the day, anything can happen in this sport. And, that's, and you said something interesting, I, I really believe this when you're making films, that every film that I've done that hasn't really worked or kind of misfired in a creative sense, you know, there was one common denominator is that, that we weren't listening to the film. Like, you, you have to listen to the film because if you listen to it, it will speak to you and it will tell you things. If you just go, no, no, this is in the script and we're only shooting the script, uh, you know, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna wind up in some pretty precarious positions. And, and running a football club is no different. I mean, it is talking to us constantly uh, as we go. I mean, and we are listening to it as best we can every single minute of every single day. And it's, it's uh, again, it's, that's, that's sort of what makes it a bit of the tightrope walk is that it's this ever evolving thing where anything can happen, it's, uh, it's magic. I'll let you guys go. Just wanted to ask one more question. So if you, you know, it's the sort of rise of the football documentary has been kind of prolific in the past five or 10 years. I mean, you have, um, you know, all or nothing series, uh, Sunderland until I die. You have, you know, fictional scripted shows like Ted Lasso, uh, all sorts of web series as I, I sort of wonder how much of that content you guys consumed, before you made the documentary and how much that might have, you know, influenced your filmmaking process here? I've always been a massive, massive fan of, of sports documentaries. I've seen every episode of 30 for 30 multiple times. Um, I'll watch anything, uh, any story that's well told. And it's just so, it's so wonderful when you can find a, a sports documentary, specifically one about maybe a sport that you don't necessarily care about or I don't care about, but any good story well told 
Um, I think it just transcends the subject matter. And so I was watching and have seen so many different sports documentaries. I mean, the F1 is a great example. The, 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 the docu-series on, on F1 that's out right now. I mean, I could care less about, uh, about, about cars. I just, I'm not a car guy. I'm not, that's not my sport. Formula One's just not something I'm, I was interested in. And now I'm hooked. I mean, because the storytelling is so great. 30 for 30 has been great for that as well. Um, various sports that have done. So I've, I, I watch everything. Absolutely. I do, I do too. I just I li- just watched In Search of Greatness. Have you seen that one? No. Oh, it's great. What's Covers that? all these Gretzky and Pele yep. and uh, uh, Michael Jordan, all kinds of these. Athletes. I just love that. That's even if you don't gravitate, like you said, to the sport necessarily. Mm-hmm. You those like F one is. I felt the exact same way, but but I know every single one of those drivers and the pit boss yeah. and the guy. That's all you know. You're you're yeah. you get hooked and it's wonderful. Rob and Ryan, thanks so much for joining me, and I look forward to seeing the rest of your show. Thanks, Pablo. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Did the interview change any previous beliefs that you had about them and their motivations? Pablo? You know, not necessarily because I think uh, the media coverage surrounding their purchase of the team last year, they were sort of pretty open about why they did it. You know, I mean, they they really never denied the fact that they wanted to make a film. You know, they sort of also, uh, you know, the answers they gave me and sort of the what they put out in the in the film mirrors what they said in, in terms of having an interest in the kind of underdog nature of all of it, being able to buy a club for two million pounds and sort of at least have a pipe dream of one day being in the championship or, uh, you know, or even, even more, it seems completely unrealistic, but you know, I don't think their motivations were ever painted out as like these two random Hollywood actors coming into Wrexham, 
for purely like philanthropic purposes or something like that. They've always been like, no, it's just a chance to tell an interesting story, you know? So that's, that's what I got out of them. Uh, Pablo mentioned it's raw, Nick. Do you think increasingly they're going to have to be raw, these type of programs? Otherwise, we're just not going to believe. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I wrote something about sort of these films more generally, kind of more to do with the, the kind of individual things like the, the, the Neymar documentary and Rooney and there's one about Cristiano Ronaldo that was out a few years ago. I, I, I spoke to a few of the directors and a few people involved in these things and I kind of had the, the assumption that you know there will be some form of editorial control by the, uh, the, the subject. They would sort of dictate what was in it but whether and you know whether you take this on face value or not everyone that I spoke to said no no that the, there is no kind of control or, um, or or there is limited control over what goes into um, the documentary in terms of like over overruling the director or, or anything like that they said basically yeah if it isn't truthful or as raw as possible then it's not worth doing so some of the stuff that is actually in those final films does kind of go against that it's very clearly a kind of you know a um, a sort of I don't know curated version of of the truth so I mean, you could get you could go quite deep into the weeds on the kind of how the observer the observer effect and how that you know necessarily um, changes the nature of what we're seeing. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't think that uh, people will be kind of interested in these films if there wasn't at least some semblance of it being a peek behind the curtain or the the truth of them. I mean, I suppose there's an honesty thing as well, isn't there, Pablo? It's interesting you talk about the the explanation early on in the documentary the Wrexham one about what wages a Premier League player gets compared to a player in the fifth tier uh, of English football. And my immediate thought is, well, that is very true. However, Wrexham are paying some of their players a salary that you might get in the second tier of English football. So my immediate thought is, are they being open and honest about actually the massive amounts? Because there are no, there are much less financial restrictions in the National League. Are they being open and honest that they are, well, some would say, distorting the competition by the amount of money that they are paying some of their players? Maybe they get there later in the season. You know, at, at, at some point in the <laughs> first five episodes, all of a sudden TikTok shows up on their jerseys, uh, replacing, you know, Ebor Williams trailers. <laughs> As a sponsor, so I'd imagine there was some money involved there. You know, obviously their manager didn't come cheap. I mean, Phil Parkinson. I mean, I I'm sure that's that's acknowledged at some point. But but again, I guess that's kind of the game. You know, it's part of the pro rel thing. Is owners who are willing to invest more have those income streams probably have a much greater chance of climbing the table. Were there any fans that showed any kind of dissent or you know were cynical about the motivations of um, of the two guys? No, and I mean that was one thing I noticed was. You know, and it's 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 sort of hard to to you know I, I th- whatever it's a supporter owned club, and I think that you know, it was like ninety eight percent of them voted in favor of Reynolds and Mac McLaney. So I mean, it's probably pretty accurate. On the other hand, I refuse to believe that there wasn't like a few dozen people in Wrexham who aren't like who are these two big shots? What do they think they're doing with our football club? You know, I think the tone. What's painted out in the documentary is that this is a club that's obviously been through a lot in the past 15 years, financially and different owners and whatnot, and that um, you know, the, the fans, for the most part, just seem hungry for the, the increased exposure, the increased revenue and investment in players and facilities that comes with these two guys. So, you know, it's probably accurate, but I did have that thought. I was like, come on, there's got to be at least one person who's, who doesn't want this, you know, like... 
I mean, they have... <laughs> sounds a bit of a patronising thing to say, Nick, but from the outside, they, they have handled themselves brilliantly, in my in my opinion, since, since taking over. I mean, they, they do come across as incredibly likeable and self-deprecating and doing it for for the right reasons for the community. The cynical point of view would be that, that you know they wouldn't be doing their jobs as actors very well if they couldn't convince us that they were kind of you know <laughs> they were genuine about all of this. But yeah, as 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 Pablo said earlier on, they haven't tried to pretend that they are just doing this out of the goodness of their hearts. They they have their own kind of motivations, um, which one of which is the film, one of which is their own ambitions about owning what uh, um, I, I did enjoy in the interview that. Um, and, and this isn't just a kind of UK-US thing, referring to Wrexham as a sports franchise, which, um, you know, it, it, I think even the most committed Wrexham fan would uh, would hesitate before calling them a kind of sports <laughs> franchise. I did like, it's a, about, like it's a McDonald's or something. Yeah. 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 Well, I did wonder about... So their, their, their um, kind of ambitions about, um, you know, sports ownership further up the pyramid. Is that, in your opinion, do you think it's... That they hope to take Wrexham as high as they can, or, or they use are using kind of Wrexham as the first kind of step on a kind of you know first Wrexham, then the world kind of thing. No, I, I got the feeling they're pretty focused on Wrexham. I mean, I was interested to ask them about whether they'd be interested in investing in an MLS team or you know lower mm. league team in the U.S. Obviously, it's just entirely different here. You know, there's no pro rel. The cost of ownership, honestly, entry, I mean, it's not what it is in the EPL, but it's it's higher than, you know, going out and buying, you know, a Serie A team or like, you know, other other top flights in Europe. I mean, it's the valuations of franchises in, in this country are insane. They're almost a billion dollars now. Um, and if they're doing it for the romance of like buying the club and trying to, you know, the underdog story thing, the underdog story doesn't even exist in American football, you know, or I should say in soccer. I mean, they, you know, like it's, it's impossible to go down, you know, the, there's this laser focus on parody. So I don't think they seemed particularly interested in as much as I want uh, Rob McElhaney who plays Mac on it's always sunny in Philadelphia and is from Philadelphia to go out and buy the Philadelphia Union, I don't think it's going to happen. A final one of this goes back to what we see and what we don't see and how cynical uh, we are. Pablo, there's a greater history of, of sporting documentaries in the States, whether that be 30 for 30 or, or the All or Nothings, which started with the, the NFL teams, whether that's Hard Knocks in the past, Last Dance we've had, all of that kind of stuff. Are the audience becoming more cynical towards them in America as well? You know, I, 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 to give a, an example from my point of view, the LA Rams hard knocks I thought was fantastic because it showed Jeff Fisher being fired halfway through, not the actual, no, but not the actual meeting of him being fired, but then him him explaining to his players that he'd been fired. The cameras were there. You thought, okay, this is this is actually raw and believable. Kind of the one since then, I've found a bit it appeared to me as though they're being a bit more controlled because people know how to control them now. Is the audience becoming more cynical in America to them? I mean, I think the assumption from any American viewer of any of these documentaries is if a team still exists, it's going to be a highly controlled thing. You know, if it's a documentary about something that happened 20 years ago, people are obviously willing to talk about that. If it is an all or nothing type thing, if it's, you know, a drive to survive type thing about an American sports franchise, it's going to be highly controlled, man. You know, these, these, uh, we've all dealt with teams. I mean, teams, franchises excuse me in this country um 
you know, go to great lengths to control their image and control what gets in and out of front offices. And um, if the team has anything to do with the production, obviously it's not going to want certain things in it. Now, I mean, I think they probably understand they have to sprinkle a few of those things in there to like at least give the illusion that it's not some controlled thing. But at the end of the day, if the team is the one producing it, you know, I just I don't think you're going to get much of the, the ugly truth, you know. That's it. That's interesting, that Nick, that the sprinkle the odd thing in there. So that could be with the all or nothing at the moment. It could be the you'll never walk alone training ground scene. It could be we're recording this on the day that the next one drops. And the, the one that's released today shows Kieran Tierney suffering his knee injury in March from walking out of the showers at the training ground. It's like just sprinkle the odd one in there, maybe, and control the rest. Yeah. And obviously, you have. Um... I mean, the the interesting thing about the Manchester City one is that it was so devoid of any kind of like tension or peril at all that there wasn't. I don't think there was even any any of that involved. The Spurs one, you obviously had Jose Mourinho doing various Jose Mourinho things. Where is Ellie? I understood already that you are a fucking lazy guy in training. I don't need more days. Lazy. For me, in life, is courage, honesty, good feelings, friendship. That's the most important thing in life and in football. We lost a game. We have a game to play. We have to go with balls, with courage, with good feelings, being positive, being friends, being family. That's the most important thing in life and in football. Let's go together, boys. Come on. The the Arsenal one, as you said, the, the you'll never walk alone thing, and there were various other little bits of Arteta's well, depending on how you view it, eccentricities or um, you know motivational tactics thrown in there to kind of you know chum the water a little bit and keep everyone uh, keep everyone interested. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what you say. Now it's too late. They were ten thousand times better than us today in everything. We didn't have the right to play. We didn't win a we didn't win a second ball. We were horrible with the ball. We had no organization. We have nothing, guys. Nothing. So now... I've often thought that a Major League Soccer team should do one of these films and just literally let go of the reins. Because if... I'll I'll use Drive to Survive as an example. You know, Formula One is obviously incredibly popular globally. I I am a car nut, so I've always been into it. But there's a whole class of people in the United States that are now into F1 solely because of this documentary. And which is, again, a pretty sanitized thing. Or, you know, it's pretty obvious they dramatize certain things or tweak certain storylines. But, you know, I've, I've often thought that if an MLS club really took the reins off and sort of did a, like open, heartfelt kind of thing about going on at the club, I mean, it could it could really do wonders for their popularity or even the popularity of soccer generally in the United States. Because European teams are making these documentaries. Americans don't, American ones aren't. Lovely to talk to you both. To you guys. Good interview, Pablo. Thank you for coming on. See you soon, Nick. Cheers. And to read Pablo's piece in full and Nick's writing on Football Docs and plenty more, including uh, his hugely popular columns rating Premier League kits, home and away, and the European kits as well, head to The Athletic, subscribe for just a pound a month for the first six months, athletic.com slash football pod. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events 
the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.